This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. It's summer. The only thing more annoying than, I don't know, Pelosi... Uh, are the flies and the other insects invading your home. And who knows where those flies were last. The fly that just landed on your burger could have been anywhere, from another piece of food to, hmm, well, let's just euphemize and say another piece of food. So we'd like to thank our sponsors over at Dynatrap. Dynatrap is the leading manufacturer of outdoor mosquito and insect traps. And now they've come up with a solution for indoor pests, the Dynatrap Fly Light. The Dynatrap Fly Light works day and night to attract flies, fruit flies, mosquitoes, other pesky insects. And I got to say, really works. My fly quotient at the pad, way down. Forget those disgusting fly strips. Jeez, I'd rather have flies than look at that. The Dynatrap Fly Light looks like a subtle nightlight. Plugs into any indoor outlet. Trust me, I've been using the Dynatrap Flylight a couple weeks now, and it is insane the number of insects it has caught that would otherwise be buzzing around my home, eyeballing me. <laughs> Get yours at Dynatrap.com. That's D-Y-N-A-T-R-A-P.com. Enter the promo code MILLER and receive 15% off any of their products. Dynatrap. The safe, silent, and simple solution to household insect control. All right. um, I'll be performing Kaboo, Arlington, Texas, May 10th. Battle Creek, Michigan, May 17th, May 18th at the St. George Theater on Staten Island. And May 31st at the IP Casino and Resort in Biloxi, Mississippi. So once again, that's Arlington, Texas, Battle Creek, Michigan, Staten Island, and Biloxi, Mississippi, um, if you're uh, going on the road with me. <laughs> All right. Um, so we've got uh, we've got no guests here, Christian? This is just uh, me, you, and, you know. And a dog on. named Boo. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, brother, I'm going to let you lead me through this one. And uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of news stories. I don't know if you have any. I don't have anything that you or um, Lindsay need help with in your personal life. But anything you want to shoot at me, I will field for the next 44 minutes. Well, before we dive into uh, the news, you know, there was uh, something that uh, you and I were talking about off air uh, before a recent show that we didn't uh, bring on the air. And it was the fact that uh, I had uh, brought my family to the Renaissance Festival. And you thought that that was... uh, a funny topic of it was uh, ripe. <laughs> tell me, tell me. Uh, yeah, I thought uh, that you know my son was maybe my, my son Felix will be four in July, and I thought all he was going to want to do was was maybe eat. But like the first couple rides that he saw, he's like, I want to go on that. I want to go on that. So well, uh, I, I, Renaissance fairs must have changed since I actually went to one out on Lake Chumash. Mm-hmm. What the? There were rides at a Renaissance. Well, fair? yeah, it's a sort of you know like a. I guess like a maypole, you put you strap a bunch of kids into a big wooden monstrosity, oh, okay. and a couple of guys, you know, spin it around and then let it go, and you hope they don't fall out. <laughs> and uh, the kid next to him was not into it, but uh, you know, Felix just uh, laughed and smiled the whole time. So you know. did he vomit? 
No, no, no. Uh, but this was before lunch. I was smart enough to at least do that. But yeah, uh, because you know, what do you have over there? Goat's head soup and some mead. I don't. <laughs> what, what is lunch? I went to a Renaissance fair once, and I remember thinking, "Don't hug anybody because there's SARS in that fabric." <laughs> All the fabric looked like older than medieval times, and I know it wasn't. I know it was only created in, you know, the last fifteen years, and was held in some sort of. Uh, you know, uh, warehouse for costumers. But that being said, it had somehow aged it more quickly than stuff that actually existed <laughs> during King Arthur's era. Uh, so I, I didn't want to hug anybody because the fabric all looked like stuff that you would put on a pool table if you didn't want to use green. <laughs> <laughs> like burgundies. And yeah. Lace things that were yellowed. Uh, so that was my big memory of it. Yeah. But uh, Felix loved it, and he did a lot of hugging, and you've now got him in an observation. Yeah. No, 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 no. I uh, I also uh, I worked at a Renaissance festival in high school, so uh, I I know all about uh, the different uh, outfits. One How did you wear. get all the good jobs? <laughs> well, what? somebody was already host of PM Magazine. <laughs> And then Dennis, uh, for a summer there, Maris got me a job as a Punic War recreationist. Uh, what? What did you tell me about? Did so, you have to go interview? N- no, I. What I, do you do? Go and just put a th on the end of all your answers? Yeah, I mean, it was a, if me can do with this. Yeah, I mean, I had to obviously, you know, redo my resume and uh, quill on some parchment, uh, and you know, I I went to oh, ye old nice. college of of brothers marist but uh no it was uh, it was great because i grew up in a relatively small town there weren't I'll a lot say, of good jobs fuck sub microscopic <laughs> what were you on a schmear on a plate <laughs> but uh yeah so i got to uh i got to work at a tavern and i was uh moving uh, alcohol around at the age of the ripe old age of oh, 16 so the old cups uh, the cups of ale that have mm-hmm. little like lids on them yeah of course and uh you know somebody's got to move that stuff around and uh, you know there would be all these other uh, all these girls who worked there from other high schools, so they didn't you know know how cool I was. So uh, it uh, it was it was a fun summer. Well, you must have made them laugh, right? Because you always had a funny that's, side. That's all. I, that's all I've got. Yeah. No, no. Oh, I remember I graduated once from college, and we'll get back to this. Uh, I want to hear more about this, but a specific painful engram comes into my head. These are the sort of things that almost made me become a Scientologist so I could get them audited out by some <laughs> you know, shock box yeah. attached to my nads. I had graduated from college and was just a lost soul, and I took a job in a uh, delicatessen, and I had to scoop ice cream, and I had to wear a paper hat, and the sexy cheerleader from my high school came in. You know, she had already gotten her degree and was out there in the world, and she looks up at me, and she looked so pained for me. I was starting to develop some sort of arthritic knob on my right scooping elbow, as we called it. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, Dennis. I said, yeah. What flavor? <laughs> oh, no. Christ, what a debasement, Christian. <laughs> oh, I can think about it now, and I just, oh, it makes me want to fling my scat at the world. <laughs> 
Uh, Anywho, um, so anyways, so the girls from your high school did not see you dressed up as a little... N- no, and, you know, they're... Chester I, I, shaking I, I, one of those sticks. Yeah, and the, you were encouraged, you know, I mean, there was a line, but you could actually be kind of rude to the customers. I'm sure that's changed now. This was the early 90s. So, you know, if somebody asked you for directions, you could uh, somewhat politely tell them to go fuck themselves. So it was, it was fun. I mean, it was... Uh, it didn't pay well, but yeah. You know. But listen, Chris, being the coolest guy in the loser brigade, you were still the loser, weren't you? I yeah. mean, you, you, essentially, Renaissance fairs are for people who got three callbacks, but they did not close on Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was close. I was an understudy for uh, for Aaron Burr, but uh, never actually got called up to the show. So. Uh, job was always bartender. Did you have anything else interesting where you had to go out? I did. Uh, I did end up working at a did booth all. that Dennis. sold uh, meat pies and sausage rolls, and uh, you know people didn't quite understand Sweeney what the food Todd's was. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know what they they should have had. I always thought they were missing an opportunity because I've gone to things where they bring bagels around on like a a rapier sword sure, for yeah. fencing tournaments. I always thought that they should have um, meat pies skewered onto the jousting stick. Well, this is a great idea. Yeah. Uh, eh, listen, I, I I might mock, but the fact is I always used to brainstorm Renaissance fairs in a think tank <laughs> <laughs> near, uh, what was the island that they buried chicks on? Tennyson. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I'll be there, by the way, performing on top of a damsel's headstone. Hey, you know what you're going to... You're going to be burying the crowd with laughs. <laughs> so, um, Felix, back to Felix. Yeah. He goes on two rides. I'm shocked to hear their yeah. rides. Were they electric or were they, in fact, man-made? No, I mean, they they were man-made. They didn't really all fit into the theme. The one he wanted to go on was one of the, if you've ever been to any sort of fair or event where they have like a giant plastic bubble that you kind of run around on the water. But uh, I, I would have had oh. to lie and say he was four. And I didn't, I didn't see the sign. So he really wanted to go on that, but he couldn't. No, so you can't, Chris. The moment you start lying, then they're out running on the thing, yeah. and you're, uh, it's uh, no, I, nerve. Or are you not nervous? I was I'm not, so nervous. I'm not nervous. Like, I still lie about how old he is at Disneyland because I want to save the $95. So I, I feel okay about that. That's yeah. <laughs> I remember I used to go around when my kids were babies and uh, forget sharp corners in the room if there were sharp people there i'd put a rubber tip on them in case my kid bucked into them and I went to the... so naturally i was wearing one all the time myself <laughs> and uh what about uh what about the baby lucy uh just likes to be outside you know she's just uh people watching and uh you know we got ice cream and uh you know that that's all she'll really participate in this story but uh we can we can never feed her enough and, and they uh, don't they don't screw around with the composition. You know, Grant Atkatz used to do this great thing that I always thought was so, you know, he's to me, along with Thomas Keller, the best chef in the world. And they were worked together, they're hand in glove, one was one's mentor, so I can't separate them, uh, nor do I want to because they're both such nice gentlemen to me. Uh, but uh, Atkatz runs Alinea in Chicago, which well, all I can tell you is, uh, oh, and by the way, my uh, Magnus Nielsen shutting down fa- uh, Favakin Magsinet, uh, 330 miles north of Stockholm, 12-seat restaurant, 40 courses, uh, bites, I should say. Wow. Some of the bites are just candies beforehand to drink. I made the pilgrimage there. I see he's shutting it down at the end of the year because uh, it's 
to keep his Michelin stars up. I think he has two, just takes too much dedication. You lose the Michelin star, it almost becomes a bigger story than keeping it, so you don't want to go out on a bad note. So he's announced that he's uh, giving, uh, at the end of the year, he's going to enjoy his life. And I'm telling you, I have to thank you, Magnus. I think that's his name. I don't want to act like I know him. Uh, but he he was there, and he was very sweet to us. That was, in addition to the meal, I'd have to say the surrounding scenery, that's the greatest culinary experience of my life. I'm in Stockholm. I charter a plane. I fly 330 miles north of it. I drive an hour and a half out into the middle of the woods, come upon this farmhouse where he has two bedrooms that I've rented out for my wife, and I and my son and his then-girl, now-wife, uh, we get there, um, immediately go in and catch a sauna. You know, all those people over there in the big saunas and steams. I, I can't remember if it was a sauna or steam. I think it's a, maybe both. Something in my head's telling me both. He's got local beers there. I'm in the sauna having a beer. Open my pores. Put on a rain slicker. It's pouring out. Go for a walk out in the uh, the woods in this rainstorm in uh, Sweden. Come back, 6 o'clock, I mosey down for a cocktail, and I'm there till 10, 30, 11 at night, eating the most outlandishly delicious meal. And like I said, I, 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 when men are geniuses like that and they work so hard at pleasing you, I don't like to rank them the only reason i would say that that was my ultimate culinary experience is because it was so odd where you were you were way way off the grid out in sweden and my man's got this huge fur coat that's like straight out of game of thrones that he hangs at the bottom of the steps you're upstairs in a you know a dining room that's from hundreds of years ago hundreds and it's all you know wood that's been rounded from all the use over the years and they bring all the dishes up the stairs to you. And then he like snacks his hands together really loud and gets your attention and tells you what you're about to eat. I had a scallop there that was that morning caught off the coast of Sweden, if there is a coast. And I think there is. Um, flown in. N no, nothing added to it uh, except some juniper uh, straw that it was burning on. And uh, then you uncap it. You eat it like a cheeseburger. You pick it up. It's so big. And I'm telling you, I've never had anything like that. You were eating lichens. You were eating, I ate uh, things that ordinarily, um, I can't eat oysters, so I couldn't do that because I'm allergic. But I ate uh, bone marrow, the bread. We stayed over. The next morning, you get up, and he's made you this incredible porridge. And then I flew back to Stockholm. This is all by way of telling you that he's closing this at the end of the year. I see that there are no reservations available. I just wanted to kiss the ring, say, sir, uh, nobody worked harder, uh, as most chefs do, and you are an absolute genius, and uh, I wish you good luck in whatever your future endeavor is there, old Favican Mag Magsonet is the name of the joint. It um, sounds almost as good as Portillo's in Chicago. Yeah. Well, well, they make a strong dog. It's just a different game board, <laughs> yeah. but let's, let's not uh, disparage Portillo's, <laughs> my friend. But uh, I was talking about Alinea and... Uh, I don't know why I was talking about them to begin with. You're talking oh, oh, I was talking about how the chef Akats did a brilliant thing at a spinoff restaurant called Next, where for three months at a time, he would take an era and a location and do food only from that time. 
And I was there one night in 1899 Paris, La Belle Epoque, sort of the midnight in Paris time. Uh, not the one that, uh, you know, uh, Owen Wilson's in, but he goes back with a chick to her ideal time. Right. I remember that part of it, and uh, that's where it was. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was the era, and Grant would only use the technology available at the time. And he used a duck press to make this duck. And the, I remember this chicken was just... So uh, there are times where I admire somebody who uses only the available technology during that time. There are other times I find it overly cute. But when, I, when in the hands of a deft, and I do consider Akats, uh to be a... Uh, genius and uh to, to watch it in his hands and do you know the grand Akats? you talk about weird karma can you believe the man with you know uh quite frankly one of the best palates that ever existed got tongue cancer no i hadn't heard that not as a smoker not anything developed tongue cancer almost died had to go through extensive thing uh, was always worried he would lose his palate gained it back became the number one rated restaurant in the world he studied of course under thomas keller at the french laundry who's uh an absolute yoda obi-wan i think even grant uh, you know he was grant's obi-wan and he always did one of my favorite things that he does this thing called truffle explosion and uh it's a one bite thing where you have to put it in your mouth shut your mouth and then pop it and uh it just <laughs> folks i can't I just can't describe it. It's an olfactory experience unparalleled. And uh, he had Anthony Bourdain up one night, and I think he did uh, uh, did an explosion that was uh, had a subtle, not off-putting, but a subtle nicotine taste in it because uh, Bourdain smoked so much. Hmm. And uh, Bourdain said it was delicious. Uh, I don't want to make it sound like, uh, you know, Mickey and Ray Donovan trying to drink the cigarette water to have a heart attack and get out of stir. It was more like a tasteful thing that he did. And the, it's funny to me, the only time I've ever run into Anthony Bourdain, and I didn't say anything to him because I hate bugging people in public, but I was directly behind him, and he clocked me and uh, didn't say anything, so I didn't say anything. I just thought, oh, we're just two guys ordering hot dogs at Gray's Papaya <laughs> up at 86th and 3rd, maybe, or 2nd, 1st, yeah. that one on the Upper East. And uh, he got two big dogs and some, I, I think he got the red peppers on it. Or, no, not the red peppers, they're sort of orange peppers. You, you, you know those peppers? I do. Or maybe they're I, onions. I right, know. I don't know what the what they're actually He got pretty them. basic, yeah. and I just get my grazed dogs with brown mustard, a smear, and then some sort of uh, pina colada drink. Yeah. So the funny that I would meet that chef, or not meet him, but at least glim glimpse him for the first time in a grazed papaya. But uh, Magnus, Godspeed to you, my friend. Hey, folks, it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel mm, a wee bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't. Ever. Trains are going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they can't stop. Even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you... Well, it's better not to even think about that. The point is you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you. The result, utter disaster. 
the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop, because trains can't. Uh, well, let's uh, take a look at some headlines now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know you if... okay over there? Yeah. Christ, you sound constipated. I mean, I am, but uh, you know that I always make during the show, but I don't leave the studio. It's fine. Uh, you having my growler? <laughs> Uh, I wanted to know your thoughts about uh, the result of the uh, Kentucky Derby, where the uh, winner was uh, disqualified. Didn't for- look like much to me. Yeah, but I mean, I don't. Yeah, but I-, I agree with Trump in an odd way. I saw a headline from Trump. He, he attributed it to politically correct times we live in. I don't know that politically correct is the right phrase to use as far as that. But I do think we're always looking to overturn random things now. Like, for me, in football, I find it odd now that every time there's a great play, you have to hold for a second because you know they're going to try to look at things to overturn it. Uh, it, it, It's like a corner thing, uh, or you know, right after the play's over. All right, we're both toes in. Let's go back. Let's try to figure out a way where the call becomes the thing. And as I watch these horses, and all you want out of that race, quite frankly, is nobody to fall, no horse to be put out of its misery, no jockey to come out of it as a quadriplegic. Uh, it's, it's a track, uh, and you know racing, be it NASCAR, be it well, less in Indy, because I think they, they know they can absolutely kill somebody there. Uh, NASCAR, you know, from Leroy, Kale Yarborough, Richard Petty, on it's always been bumping and grinding uh so there's a little more understanding there but i don't know that that horse owes it to anybody to give them a complete shot when he's on a wet track right next to the rail and he comes around the bend he feels a little pressure there and uh i don't know where it's written that he can't move out anymore except once again i think we live in times where people are looking for any sort of thing and uh, thinking it should be overturned because uh, it's of its innate unfairness. To me, there are many times in history that would have just been, uh, and I've watched horse racing since I was a kid. I never bet. I think I bet once at Del Mar. I didn't like the feeling, but I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I still think one of the greatest athletic feats ever, and I'm not going to say it like he's the greatest athlete because he's a horse, but that secretariat thing, if you think about it, still gives you goosebumps that he pushes it out to 31 and a half. It's just like, uh, you know, it's like Bob Beeman going 29-4 in the long jump. It's crazy. And uh, so I like horse racing. I have watched a lot. Um, I don't know all the rules, but I think they could have let that go and people would have been fine with it and said that's just racing. I, I think now on coin flips, what has happened is it used to be you would flip it into, oh, fuck, let it go. And now it's definitely in every aspect of our life that must be answered for. And it seems to me the horse that went one, quite frankly, uh, I read a pretty cool article. But I can't remember the writer's name. My bad. But he said, oh, his name's Jimmy Trania or something. He works for Sports Illustrated. And he said, uh, excuse me, but if anything, it looked like it helped the guy who won. You know, bumped him out a little further. So I, I don't know. It, it's endemic of the times. And uh, I thought it was uh, could have went either way. And went, uh, my feeling is when things can go either way, I'd let them stand. Yeah, I, but I think that you're right. We live in the times where if it can go either way, the default is, well, then we have to change it. Um, sorry, Christian, something just flashed on the screen about the Avengers. And I know you loved it. 
And I, I take it face value. I, I, I was thinking about that, and I thought for a kid of your age, right, you're a kid, I don't know, what are you, 40 now? 43. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, this is... Lindsay just threw up when I said that. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> These are... I didn't say inches tall. I said the age. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I could tell it was meaningful to you. Yeah. Uh, and I have read in the interim, because it doesn't matter to me, I'm not going to see it, what happens... Is that out yet, or is that still verboten? We're at the point now where, uh, in general, people are being told, like, look, it's been out for a week and a half. You had two weekends to see it. And honestly, they need to use information from that movie to promote the new Spider-Man movie. So I guess if someone's listening and really doesn't want to hear, they can always cover their ears. But in general, we're told that we're allowed to talk about the movie now. And who's Spider-Man now? I know it was... When I saw Spider-Man, it was Tobey Maguire. Yeah. We're, and then it turned into the kid who kind of was not a good suit. Was it Andrew Garfield? Andrew Garfield. I, I thought he was a he was a, a fine Spider-Man and a, and a good Peter Parker, which is important. Uh, but, uh, yeah, now his name is Tom Holland. The last two Spider-Men have both been British. Jeez, I had no idea. What would I know Holland from? Uh, not much. Uh, they they went for younger, you know, because he'd always sort of been like college age eventually in the movie. So he's like fifteen, and uh, I think it's a it's a good take on on Spidey. That's the Spidey that somebody I was like. had to do a, a complete uh, inclusive Avengers where everybody's in there because they're a type. Oh, I mean they they haven't done a movie like that, but they have they have comics like that. For oh, sure. they have? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it'd just be funny to have the Benetton Avengers, you know, where every yeah. every box was checked. Mm-hmm. No, like, no, uh, they've definitely done that. <laughs> it'd be funny if there was some, somebody called Blur Person who went back and forth between being a man and a woman during actual fight scenes. <laughs> like, where it goes over to a woman, it lacks body mass, Magneto snags it up against the wall. <laughs> Uh, you know, the Ike Turner Magneto character, and then he blurs sort of back over to a guy, sucker punch him, goes back and forth, and eventually, I guess in the times we live, the the woman who would be deemed smarter, as I see in most commercials, would figure out a way to uh, win yeah. using her uh, wit and her gal as opposed to her musculature. Right, and, and certainly... Blur Man. I, I like Blur Man. Yeah, not bad. You have a cod piece, and you can go over to... <laughs> You know, there's some sort of kids' toys, I mean, camel toes and cod pieces. <laughs> wasn't that wasn't that the two days out from Christmas? Camel toes and cod pieces and bright shiny rules. <laughs> it's also my favorite Jethro Tull album. <laughs> Rob Lowe used to do Scooby Doo would kill me. Oh, camel toe! But I, you know, I can't do the impression. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I can't remember what it was exactly. I haven't seen Rob in a decade, but he used to do some Scooby-Doo thing that made me laugh out loud. Uh, but your point to the uh, Avengers movie, yeah, I think it. Uh, those characters, of course, meant a lot because of, you know, I, I, I was excited to work at the Renaissance Festival, so clearly I didn't have real friends. So mm-hmm. those, <laughs> they've been my friends longer than any people in my life except for my parents. Wait a second, we're back on this heartfelt thing? I thought we Christ, were. I did that to segue out of that fucking segment <laughs> all night. Had no idea that you're over there like a girl in Paris for the first time writing your dream I, journal. Down. I just okay? thought, I thought you Christ, had. It's cartoon. I was convinced you had more, so that's why I went back. Just but. tell me this: Did one or two people get whacked? Oh, uh, uh, well, two big ones. Yeah, two big ones. Mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, what else is up in the world? And by the way, will Avengers overcome? What is the number one movie? Is it Avatar the Tree? 
God, that movie did not work for me. No, and they've, you know, Disney uh, uh, announced all of their, their slate now that they own Fox. They have four Avatar sequels over the next decade. So there'll be five Avatar movies. Oh. And it's like all the well, James Cameron. You can't say it's Cameron. I, I, I love Cameron. Films. Yeah. The, the right ones. I thought, I, I'm a sucker for Titanic. I know that makes you suck now, but I love Titanic. I thought they were both great, and I'm I'm an old softy, so it's not like I don't like Cameron films, but I thought Avatar, every time I turned around, it was like fucking Sonic the Hedgehog was on the dog <laughs> from NeverEnding Story flying over a tree that I yeah. you know, it was the, ironically, the tree was way too sappy for me. It was a, sort of that tree of, <laughs> wasn't a tree of knowledge, and then they'd cut to a marine and go, well, burn that goddamn tree down. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That's, that's all the, I remember that, the movie that, thing. I mean, and I that's the movie. 3D. I said I've never watched less multidimensional characters in 3D than I am right now. <laughs> hey, folks, Dennis Miller here. And, uh, well, let's just say at age 65, I'm getting up once in the middle of the night, whether I like it or not, for a 65-year-old man's duties. And I usually get to sleep early in the evening, but I have trouble getting back to sleep after that stroll down the hall. That is, until recently. I get back to the bed, and my purple mattress is so comfortable. It stays nice and cool. It's different than anything I've felt before, and I am back in the bed, and I'm out again, and I've been getting the best sleep I've ever had. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds and wheelchairs. Not to mention the fact that they've been giving each other numerous purple nurples over that three-decade period. <laughs> In 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create purple, the world's most scientific mattress. The purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist and one who slept well. It's not like the memory foam I'm used to. The purple material feels very unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus it's breathable, so it sleeps cool. I love that. It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel. Uh, what else from a rocket scientist? So it works for any sleeping position. 100-night risk-free trial on this, too. Uh, that should make you rest. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full, full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns. Could they make this any easier? Free in-home setup and old mattress removal. Folks, <laughs> they've led you to the water and helped you drink it. You're going to love purple. And right now, our listeners will get a free purple pillow with their purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they offer site-wide. Just text MILLER to 84888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text MILLER to 84888. Eight. I know you know how you spell my name, but let me elaborate. M-I-L-L-E-R-284888. Message and data rates may apply. Uh, there are a uh, there is plenty of other things to talk about, but... All right, uh, we're just um, saying. Just gotta, we're just, well, I'm scanning because I want to find finger, the good one. Here's what you do. I know you have a screen in front of you. 
and you're doing these little tap multi-layered discussions that are available i said what are we fucking doug henning's liner notes put your <laughs> finger on one of them and read it dennis it's all an illusion <laughs> um <laughs> i'm i'm fascinated by uh donald trump trump's tax returns not because i think there's some crimes buried in there but just because i'm nosy and i like to know what's going on with rich guys so uh i'm i'm interested in the story for that reason but i wonder uh you know do you care about it at all and i don't mean because you think well, that I it's i remember crime. reading that he was broke ages ago yeah a, a I, I almost times. think like I, I remember every there was a lot of Schadenfreude chum in the water, and uh, he did almost go. I think Atlantic City screwed him up, right? Yes, did he exactly. Exposed himself and, down there, and this is the time period that they're looking at the returns from. So he lost more than a billion dollars between uh, eighty-five and ninety-four. Well, I, listen, they think him a fool. I, I'm not embarrassed for Donald Trump. I, like I said, when you know when they go down the list of people who are winners. On that side, they always pick out people, and I think, well, I don't, I don't know. That's not my idea of a winner. I guess it's just flipped. They think, I, I do think Trump's a billionaire. I don't know if it's one or ten. Once you get to a billion, it doesn't matter to I me. Mean, if Trump yeah. is so insecure about that, and I, listen, people always think, you must think Trump's uh, Julius Caesar. No, I don't. I think he's thin skinned, insecure. If he wants to fake it, it's eight. Once you get to a billion, it doesn't matter to me. Once you have that helicopter that takes you to the jet, I wouldn't even have his apartment, it, but that's his taste. You know yeah. what I mean? I look at his apartment. I think well, that's not my thing, but I'm telling you, anybody who can take a helicopter off the top of a building in New York and go to a private jet, it's all you need. So after that, it's uh, it's gravy. So I assume he's rich and he's the president. And when he was on TV for a while, he had the number one rated show. Then it went way down as shows do. But uh, you know, this whole thing, thing that they you know I, I got jerry nadler who would have ate himself into an early 15 foot wide grave if they didn't come in and you know put a tie a stretch armstrong around his fucking pancreas to shut him down all of a sudden he's going to sit there and tell me that trump's a loser i yeah i guess he's the biggest loser who ever became a billionaire married a woman that beautiful had kids who seemed to have uh, escaped drugs and are ch reasonably charming and hard worker. And then when he decided to later in life, went from being the host of uh, a great TV show uh, to the president of the United States. Yeah, w within loser confines, that's, he's the biggest loser in that regard. It's unbelievable to me. And all the people on the biggest loser show are the big winners. You know, you got the 600-pound <laughs> guy who's cut down to three Sundays. He's a winner in life, but... Uh, you know, Trump's the loser. <laughs> I guess I'll play along. Go, yeah, it's an embarrassment, that guy. Uh, the uh, Sultan of Brunei has said that he will now no longer enforce the death penalty for homosexuals because there's been widespread backlash by celebrities, including Elton John and George Clooney. Uh, and, you know, people don't stay, I think, at the, the Beverly Palms Hotel or whatever that hotel is because I guess he owns it. So, uh, well, well, then he's a dunce. Yeah. He's a fucking dunce. You don't kill people because of their sexuality, because it makes you uh, a murderer from a ancient times. I don't know what you're thinking. But if you're coming in, so right off the bat, I think you're an asshole. If you're going to tell me that the reason you did it is because Elton John and George Clooney wouldn't stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel. <laughs> exactly. Guess what? You're an asshole redux. <laughs> you don't do it because they're human beings who love and want to have sex with people of their own sex. And that's what happens in the world. And you don't kill them for that. Like, 
Christ, that's Dakota? But my hotel receipts. Shut up. You're going to wake up over there. Christ, it's, it's, this is why it's so hard to bomb these primitive cultures back into the Stone Age. They're there already. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I've met a couple cool cats from that. I must say, I, I met a guy who's the crown prince of a country. I can't even say I don't want to get him in trouble. Gosh, Christ, we had the most fun lunch together. And I was killing him, telling him my theory on giving the casinos to the uh, uh, the Palestinians. <laughs> I said, listen, man, you guys are too tense over there. you got to loosen up. I said, I don't know what it is. Have a cocktail. Watch Ellen. And he's like looking at me. And I said, and, and listen, um, I think that uh, the Jews should give the Palestinians the casinos, and that would chill them out. Look what it's done for the Indians. You know, they're all... <laughs> They still have beefs, but they go, well, Christ, did, the, did you see the Pochino take last month? It was crazy. <laughs> and uh, I said, they're already pre... This actually got a little laugh from him before he decided he wanted to behead me with his butter knife. He's, I said, uh, they're already pre-named, the Sands, Dunes, the Desert Inn. But at the end of the lunch, we uh, we were laughing so hard, he invited me over. There's a F1 race somewhere in this country, and I might take him up on it at some point. But then again... I go over, and the next thing I know, I'm a handmaiden to some fat fuck gladiator <laughs> instructor or something. I don't know. Well, I'm sure he'd still let you do the pod. <laughs> and that's all. Yeah, that's all that matters. That's all Lindsay and I care about. <laughs> oh, and it's that purity of exchange that I find, well, some would find demeaning. I find exhilarating. <laughs> Now, listen, I got Ben Shapiro call me. I said, we got to stay on the clock. What yes. What time is it? We, it's one uh, eighteen now. How so, long is this show going on? Uh, this one is about 40 minutes, so maybe... Uh, At we, this point? Uh, that's Yeah, because we it's a little under 40 minutes. Well, tell me when it's at 45 so I can take Ben's yeah. call. Yeah, we will... Uh, but I don't want to cheat the people on the free podcast. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, you know, it's it, not hey, like anybody sidle it up and throw me any rupees. I mean, it's it's Ben's free radio show. So, you know, it's all right. Everybody wins. Oh, yeah, but Ben, I, I saw a few weeks ago, our downloads were way up because I did his show. So yeah. he's nice enough to have me on again. I'm going to go on and try to sell the soap. But, uh, and this, know, and this time, seven you'll or eight mention, minutes left. Keep, keep right. firing me. And this show. time, you'll actually mention the podcast. So it'll be great. <laughs> Folks, I, I really analyzed that. I think I'm subconsciously sabotaging myself to think I got on something that is a million listeners. <laughs> on any given week, I have 40,000, and I forget to mention my 40,000th show. If you think that's forgetful, I, I analyzed it for a while. I don't. I, oh, man, what about these videos where uh, dads and their daughter break out in sexy dances together that they've rehearsed at weddings? No, I don't. I don't feel good about that. I don't like it either. Yeah. You got to promise me you won't do that with Lucy. No, 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 no. I mean, I figure there'll there'll have to be a point where I I give her a dance, but uh -huh. uh, it, ain't, it ain't gonna yeah, be like that. Yeah, but you make it a proper dad <laughs> yeah. dance. Jesus, these whole things where they break it out and start doing that. I've got a, an imaginary lariat riding some. <laughs> oh, so you're saying I shouldn't start working on the choreography from Dirty Dancing? No, it's so. Uh, but I oh, was born way, to be Swayze. <laughs> Sleazy, sleazy. Yeah, you're right. uh, What about the commercial where the Colonel dances with Mrs. Butterworth? Is that hysterical? I do like that. Oh, the way the guy turns on his heel, you know he's got some panache. Some, he's got a little hysteria. <laughs> uh, what was I reading the other day? Oh, in my research, hysteria just triggered a, a great uh, Gene Kelly memory. 
And I met Gene's wife one night, I think, and she told me Gene watched me on HBO, which blew my mind. Wow. Uh, but uh, Gene Kelly was married to a woman named Betsy Blair, who plays what was supposed to be Marty's quote unquote, as he refers to her dog, or not he, his friends refer to as the dog he dates in The Great Marty, which is one of Jay Leno's films that's coming up on TCM. We're introducing that one together. Jay picked three proletariat champions, well, one foe and two actual Sullivan's Travels, Marty, and A Face in the Crowd. Those are Jay's films. I, I, knew, I knew he'd pick stuff like that. He loves uh, the, the everyman stuff. Uh, and indeed, Andy Griffith, the feigned everyman stuff. But I've got news that'll move you and shake you. I own 51% of Lonesome Roads Enterprises. You're in bed with me, Larry. In bed with me. It's my Tony Franciosa impression. But um, she was married in real life to Gene Kelly. And uh, the Betsy... Uh, Betsy Blair. Yeah. And she uh, wanted to read for uh, that film. And I don't think they'd let her because she was blacklisted. She would not name names. And Kelly threw down some clout and said he wouldn't work for the studio again unless they read her. She was great. She's pretty perfect in the movie and was indeed uh, uh, nominated for an Oscar. So just just a sample of what I'll be feeding you on TCM. Uh, what were you going to say, though, Christian? Uh, I actually don't remember what I was going to say. About no, you were anyway. just giving me another news story. I you? was. Uh, I was uh, going to see uh, something that I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with. Uh, Chuck Todd says, quote, Every one of my colleagues on MSNBC grounds their arguments in facts, unquote. You have to agree with that, right? You know, this. I, I'm trying to look, and I believe he believes that, and I don't believe that, obviously. I think they're antithetical. I'm trying to look at what the difference between the two sides are. Uh, I would say on my side, I'm willing to be convinced and indeed have been convinced on certain things over the course of my life. Now, I think I'm somewhat in disfavor now because I've been convinced over some more conservative leanings as I gather knowledge here at age 65. But I've meandered back and forth when I felt things weren't right on one side to the other side, back. The other, but pretty consistently uh, socially conservative or socially liberal, fiscally and war on terror conservative over the last. So I think Chuck Todd's sitting there believing that. I do think they're more full of themselves on that side. I do think that they don't ever have a moment where they think that could be wrong. I'm trying to look at the difference between the liberals I've known and the conservatives I've known and guys like Chuck Todd versus guys like David Horowitz. I think David Horowitz is a brilliant man who at one point somehow had convinced himself that he should be in cahoots with the Black Panthers. Uh, he introduced a secretary to them. The secretary eventually knew too much of the operation. The secretary was killed. He felt so guilty about that that it sort of reset his whole brain. It scrambled it like a, you know, Etch-a-Sketch. And he is now a pretty brilliant conservative guy. But at least I've seen some sort of malleability. I look at a guy like Todd, and I don't find Chuck Todd that smart. I, I don't find him dumb. I'm sure he looks at me and doesn't think I'm that smart. I'm fine with that. I'm probably not in his eyes. But I don't look at him and think that he's brilliant in a Conrad Black way or a Martin, uh, Mark Stein way or a Victor Davis Hanson way. I do think he's the host of Meet the Press and realizes if he varies on the talking points that are delineated by the executive producer of that show or the managing producer of that show, at any given moment, he's gone. He's replaced. 
All of a sudden, his haircut's weird. All of a sudden, he's a bit of a lightweight. All of a sudden, he's a bit doofusy. He checks that box by staying in firm lockstep. And the fact that he won't vary uh, differentiates him from some conservatives I know. Not many, but I have met conservatives who have been willing to pay the price as far as being a bit ostracized for not going along with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the newsroom uh, general consensus. I don't think Todd would ever vary. That, that, or therefore, I'm not, I don't have a real axe to grind. I don't know him, but I don't find him as interesting in nearly as Tim Russert, who I also think had liberal leanings for the most part, but was willing to at least walk the line because he had some belief in the strength of his uh, intellect and character. I, I think Todd bluffs that a little, but I think he knows at the end of the day he's an easily throwable out-the-door body, and he does not want to go back to not being the guy who hosts Meet the Press with that bowl cut. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they tossed David Gregory pretty quickly. I mean, I think people don't even remember. Yeah, that you're right. Was, I had forgot yeah. about him. All my albino howdy duty guy. He was gone <laughs> in a second. All of a sudden, they said, we're looking for somebody with a tan. <laughs> well, Dennis, I know you have a uh, call to take. But before we go, let's get one reminder out there that Dennis will be performing at Caboo in Arlington, Texas, May 10th. Battle Creek, Michigan, May 17th, May 18th, the St. George Theater on Staten Island, May 31st at the IP Casino and Resort in Biloxi, Mississippi, and June 8th in Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Lindsay, should we fly out for that show? Yes. All right. Will you buy my ticket? No, I was looking for a handout. Should we start a GoFundMe page? Yes. All right. Leave us a voicemail if you want us to go see Dennis in Honolulu. And shameless plug for my personal podcast, The Black Cast, which you can find at blackcast.com, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T.com. And that is The Dennis Miller Option. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.